Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 90 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show for you guys this week. Our guest is Brooke Bergstaller. She is the founder of Budding Mind. We got a great cultivation segment with tips on growing auto-flowering weed plants, plus Q&A. Awesome grow-heavy show for you guys this week, all brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, and Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. Episode 90, coming at you after these messages. What if I told you you could grow healthier, faster growing plants and increase your yield? Well, you can with Organic Rev. You can even try it out for free. Rev is a growth stimulant, not a nutrient. So simply adding Rev to your current regimen can deliver dramatic results. I've been using Rev and it works great. I tried it out on my houseplants first and they absolutely love it. They responded immediately by greening up and looking healthy and strong. Like me, many cannabis growers have turned to Rev to increase fertilizer efficiency, improve nutrient uptake and root zone development, stimulate seed germination, and reduce transplant shock. And for a limited time, Grow Bud Yourself listeners can try out Rev for free. Simply head to organicrev.com slash GBY10, click on the free trial tab on the top left, pay $5 for shipping and handling, and get a free 4-ounce bottle of Organic Rev today. I know, once you try it, you'll love it as much as I do. And you can get 10% off your first order of Organic Rev with the promo code GBY10. So visit organicrev.com slash GBY10 and find out what Rev can do for your plants. All right, welcome back, and as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the tune. So strong. Love it. Gets in my head. If you like free weed, grow bud yourself, you guys. Grow it yourself and share it with friends. How are you feeling, Mike? Oh, so far, so good. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we got a good one for the people, but uh, first, uh, it's been a couple weeks, so there's probably some, some news to discuss. Yeah. Well, there's been a bunch of news, but uh, there's really two big things that I thought that, you know, we should probably talk about today. So let's start uh, federally. And uh, just the other day, it was announced that the House of Representatives will vote on a bill to legalize cannabis federally. Uh, This historic vote is going to take place next week. And the bill in question is the MORE Act. That's the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. And uh, that bill would finally deschedulize marijuana, meaning it would be removed entirely from the Controlled Substances Act. And it would also uh, focus on social equity programs aimed at creating a more level playing field in the industry and it would allow for expungement of past cannabis-related convictions. Now, this is just the second time the House has ever voted on federal legalization, and it previously passed a version of the Moore Act last session. The bill ultimately died in the Senate, which was controlled by the GOP at the time. And so while the Moore Act should pass the House, uh, it's important to remember that this is not 
the long-awaited legalization bill sponsored by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Schumer's bill, the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, has yet to be scheduled, but it could be an, uh, could be introduced as soon as April. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Senate handles the Moore Act if it passes the House, because on the one hand, the Senate is now controlled by Democrats, so it has a chance at passing. But on the other hand, Schumer has been really protective of his own legalization bill, so I'm not sure how this would play there. Yeah, you know, if I'm reading the situation correctly, it seems like there's a wing of uh, there's there's like one side of people who want to get the banking situation handled um, prior to uh, anything else, and then there's the people who are more interested in making sure uh, prisoners are released and their social equity programs and all of that. So. Uh, you know, I don't see why they can't come to terms and agreement, but it does seem like there's a, a push and pull. Uh, partly, you know, part of it is the industry wanting to be able to bank. And then the other part is, um, you know, the social justice aspect of uh, expunging uh, records and releasing prisoners and, and all that. And I, I don't know why they can't co both coincide or why one has to come before the other. Uh, but it, it would seem that now is the time to make sure both of these things happen uh, while um, the people in control are able to do so, <laughs> you know, before things change possibly uh, and not necessarily for the better when it comes to uh, cannabis. And, and, and before people start, you know, harping on federal legalization as, as being a bad thing, it's not a bad thing. Descheduling de cannabis is a dream come true. Um, the, the, the bad thing would actually be to, to drop cannabis from schedule one to schedule two or three and really put it in the hands of the pharmaceutical industry. But taking it off the schedule altogether uh, really would go a long way and would allow uh, a lot more research to be done. And, and, you know, the banking and all of that will also be handled as well. I mean, there's I, I tell people this all the time, but we're in this weird time you know where it's in between and states are deciding and uh but again we can't invest internationally we can't uh be in the same situation as as the canadians and some of the europeans and other countries can uh because they have the banking and the loans it's not just about being able to put money in the bank but also being able to uh you know take out loans and use equity and and build 100 million dollar plus businesses and uh, right now, our hands are tied, and I think uh, we need to get these things passed. It's important. And uh, all of that includes expungement of records and releasing prisoners and, and social equity and everything else. But uh, it, one doesn't have to uh, proceed or uh, be more important than the other. And if we can get everybody on the same page, I think uh, we can then use that page to roll up a big fat joint and celebrate together. Well, wouldn't that be lovely? But uh, you're right, Schumer, Schumer has gotten a bunch of senators together sort of forming a block, and their goal is not to even take up the banking issue, the SAFE Act, um, until legalization passed. So uh, it almost feels a little bit like we're on the, uh, the verge of squandering an opportunity here. It seems like the, the country is ready for this, and yet it just seems like we're not... Uh, <laughs> We're not just getting yeah, it home. I mean, I feel like we've, 
yeah, we've proven it to the world, you know, and to the country for sure that legalization is not a bad thing. It's, it's many states have done it, and a lot of taxes and revenue have been brought in. Uh, the sky did not fall, and uh, I don't know. Just leave it to the politicians to snatch uh, defeat from the hands of victory <laughs> when they've got everything lined up to do it. Uh, but you know the the easy thing is to not do it and not be accused of being soft on crime or whatever it is that they're worried about. Um, times have changed, people's opinions have changed, and it's time. Uh, it's long past time to legalize, uh, secure the banking, expunge all the records, and just um, let's treat this this healing flower the way it's meant to be treated and and uh, get past the idiocy of prohibition. Yeah, and it might become necessary to, to, I know this is hard for a politician, but to remove ego from the equation here, it doesn't matter whose bill it is as long as it advances the cause that we're fighting for and, you know. Yes, indeed. Uh, speaking of uh, insane politicians ruining a good thing, uh, let's go to New Jersey. And uh, guess what? It's another delay. So, people who may not know, uh, New Jersey missed its February deadline to begin its recreational cannabis sales. However, the state just recently started accepting retail business license applications. But those businesses that just applied, they're still seven to eight months away from actually opening, and, uh, and some of them may not begin sales this year. However, the state also just recently finished its review of existing medical marijuana businesses that applied to sell recreational cannabis. And now these businesses, they're just sort of a, a hybrid businesses, they were expected to be the first to sell adult-use marijuana in New Jersey, and a launch date was expected to come within just weeks for those businesses. But because this is New Jersey, uh, there'll naturally be another delay. The, uh, the Cannabis Regulatory Commission just announced that it's not ready to allow any existing medical dispensary to begin adult-use sales. And the reason the commission is not ready is that they believe these dispensaries don't have access to enough cannabis to serve both the medical and recreational markets. So how short are they? Well, according to the CRC, they're 100,000 pounds short, which is very short. But despite this, and despite the commission uh, just announcing this indefinite delay, Governor Phil Murphy also just announced that he expects retail sales to begin in just a few weeks. So how is that possible? I don't fully know. Uh, people in New Jersey are actually pretty split on the CRC's decision. Uh, Senate President Nicholas Scaturi, he was furious over the decision. But Governor Murphy and even some activists are actually happy that the commission isn't rushing this decision allowing for the program to be rolled out properly with a social equity element. Nonetheless, voters did approve legalization in New Jersey in 2020, so obviously by now, people are getting pretty frustrated. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I have a potential solution. I, I, there's some farmers up in Northern California and uh, Southern Vermont and Washington and all over uh, that might be able to somehow come up with that 100,000 uh, pounds of uh, shortfall, all we have to do is allow interstate trafficking <laughs> or just turn our backs a little bit to a little bit of that. Or however, all these things go down. You know, I don't, I don't want to uh, dry snitch on anybody, but the, the, the fact of the matter is uh, genetics don't just materialize out of, the, out of thin air. And uh, there's a certain amount of uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, we're going to 
sort of turn our backs for a little while and what happens happens and then poof there's cannabis growing uh so i don't know man i just i i get it i i, I think they should roll it out properly uh, but it's already been too long i mean we're talking two years plus now and and it's just going to now be extended even further and what happens is it leaves this this void which i'm okay with in a weird way but um the you know the underground takes over and fills the vacuum created by this lack of you know it's legal but there's no legal way to buy it so therefore uh, you end up with uh, the gray area uh, and i don't mean the coffee shop in amsterdam i mean this strange in-between time you know uh that people will eventually end up looking back fondly upon the same way that the prop 215 people you know look back at that and 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 different cultures uh cannabis cultures look at these areas that you know it's before the overregulation, before the taxes before the uh the bs of the msos and this and that and the other and uh yeah, I mean, cherish it while it lasts and uh, and then adapt like we always do to the new uh, scene. But again, it's just it's strange that they uh, they can't get this stuff handled uh, in a more timely fashion because it really does just open the door uh, to more ambiguity as far as what what people can and can't do or get away with or where can we smoke and where can't we smoke and what's where where you know where can i buy cannabis legally well you can't but you can smoke it legally well where where am i getting it from i don't know so it's a strange game that that they're playing but uh i hope uh i just i hope they figure out the right way to do it i think hopefully new york is going to be an example for how to do it in the future i think at least on paper it's looking good but we'll see what actually happens but jersey and new york you know there's a healthy rivalry there and now Jersey's delayed and it gives New York the opportunity to maybe jump in and actually, uh, you know, create a marketplace in a, in, in, in a timely fashion. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, New York just recently uh, announced its seeding opportunity initiative, which would allow uh, the hemp farmers upstate to start growing cannabis. And that would be sold by uh, equity applicants throughout the state and uh, if that goes through, that could potentially uh, get to market within just a couple of months. So it'll be interesting to see who gets to market first, whether it's New York or New Jersey. Either way, there's a ton of money uh, at stake. Yeah, multi-billions. And uh, I think, you know, that's going to end up turning a lot of heads and, and bringing a lot of interest Indeed. So that's a little look at what's uh, going on in the in the cannabis world, but we have a really interesting interview uh, coming up. Yeah, indeed. Uh, our guest this week is Brooke Bergstaller. She is uh, an actress, writer, producer, host. Uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, world of Weed. Uh, she did a show uh, with uh, with Big Mike at, at some point from Advanced Nutrients, and also. Uh, is now involved in cannabis. Always has been uh, a consumer and a uh, advocate, uh, but also now produced a docu series called Prisoners of, of Prohibition, uh, which is a four p- four part docu series uh, featuring people who uh, who were locked up 
uh, for for nonviolent cannabis offenses, and is now the founder of a cannabis and wellness startup called Budding Mind. So I guess without further ado, uh, why don't we take a break and come back with Brooke Bergstaller. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. All right, we are back, and uh, we have a special guest for you guys this week. Uh, our guest is the founder of Budding Mind, and she is Brooke Bergstaller. Welcome, Brooke, to the show. Well, aloha. You are a writer, producer, host, uh, actress. You've been uh, in a bunch of shows on TV and online as well, um, but also uh, the founder of Budding Mind. Can you talk a little bit about uh, basically your background, how you got involved in in acting and hosting and all of that, and also uh, how you got involved with cannabis. How did that all develop? Well, let's see. Which came first, acting or weed? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever came first. I'm glad that they finally intertwined in some ways. But I grew up, I, I was born in Buffalo, New York, grew up in Arizona, all around the States, and have always held on to this, oh, this adorable American dream of being an actress. And so I moved out to Los Angeles in pursuit of a beautiful budding career. And we're still in the process. But along the way, I have been incredibly fortunate to have been wrapped up in the cannabis industry. So I went to school for broadcast journalism and theater and am very much an on-camera personality producer, creator. And when I came out to LA, amidst all of the opportunities, but competition and, um, you know, I definitely had an expectation of, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the next Julia Roberts in like three weeks. Cause that's how entertainment works <laughs> a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was a little bit of an idiot, but that's okay because I ended up working in the cannabis space. I ended up finding my way to utilize all of these skills and to express myself in a budding industry. And I'm so grateful to have been accepted and welcomed and uh, to have been part of some of the foundational moments of this, this burgeoning industry. So I first began in cannabis at Mary Jane, where I was creating weekly cannabis news stories called Mary Jane News. And we covered things like the top jobs in cannabis and interviewed people like Al Sharpton and covered some really incredible cannabis events. And that really started to unfold my education and passion in the space beyond just being a consumer. So, um, and with Mary Jane, I was able to make a docuseries called Prisoners of Prohibition, which was a look at the 
social justice side of, of cannabis and told the stories of people who either were serving or are still serving lifetime sentences for cannabis-related convictions, which is obviously harrowing. But the positive side of that coin is that we made that documentary about four years ago, and several of the people that I was talking to, communicating with in prison, are now free with their families at home. So things move very, very fast in this space, and I like to move fast with them. And uh, I'm excited to see how this continues to unfold for me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you're, you also are heavily involved in yoga as well. Uh, t- can you talk a little bit about that? And then also maybe about uh, if cannabis uh, plays any kind of a role in your, in your yoga practice as well? Well, certainly. Yeah, I'm one of the people that would rip my chillum in my Prius before going into a yoga studio, uh, covered in shame and obviously the smell of sativa. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, now I've, I've certainly burst out of the cannabis closet. So I definitely believe that yoga and a lot of wellness practices are intrinsically intertwined with cannabis consumption when used intentionally. And I started practicing yoga, I don't know, probably more than a decade ago, became a yoga instructor when I moved out here to Los Angeles and was so lucky to be introduced to the cannabis yoga official fusion by way of Lit Yoga, which was founded by Hannah Mason. And that is an official yogic enterprise. They have cannabis-infused yoga classes and a yoga teacher training, which I was able to participate in, uh, which was, I mean, it's a fascinating philosophy that they have. But Hannah literally draws parallels between the chakras and, you know, different herbs and how those can be used in conjunction with one another to help the body heal. And so, um, yeah, now I I don't teach yoga at the moment, but I am a daily pra- practicer, practitioner. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I really do love to smoke before I practice yoga or before I meditate, all of these things, and um, I still do to this day. There was a time where it was probably just a bit too obvious, and I really didn't know that, and I remember walking into a yoga class reeking of weed, and my teacher calling me out for it and like bringing me up to the front of the class and letting everyone know that I smelled like weed. And I was like, cool. Didn't expect to be put on the spot for this, but I guess if everyone knows then I can just start doing this a little more freely. Um, so yeah, I, I really am excited for a time when there are yoga classes where you can just openly smoke weed in a yoga studio because these things pair very well together for me. It really opens my body and enables me to feel safer to drop into postures and positions with a little more, um, a little more freedom, I think. So that's, yeah, it's very beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm always sort of harping on is that uh, people call this a drug and, and, and uh, a narcotic and all these things. And um, it actually has many, many benefits. And actually, as, as Jack Harrow said, uh, if you replace things like opiates and, and um, alcohol and even sugar and nicotine in your life with cannabis, you will actually extend your life and, and, and live a better life. And I think it's important uh, that we change that stigma from, from you know, being called out in a class to someone maybe saying, 
you know, maybe we should all uh, smoke a little bit before class and relax because it has many benefits. And I think um, that leads us into budding mind. Can you tell me about budding mind? Like this is your vision for uh, plant medicine and, and cannabis's role and, and all of that. Can you talk a little bit about founding that and, and, and what, what, it, what it involves? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Well, obviously, I completely agree. I am an advocate for returning cannabis to the medicine cabinet. And that is from the perspective of a recreational user. I also use cannabis to unwind at the end of the day, to have fun, to socialize, all of these things. But my the true deepening of my relationship with, with cannabis is as a result of finding healing from this plant. And budding mind is, you know, the brainchild of, of that idea. Budding mind is a cannabis and wellness platform and podcast. And it's a place where I get to share my advocacy for plant medicine, my belief in the inherent wisdom of these plants and share tips and tricks and information about how to consume with mindfulness. I think that's really what I want people to return to. Um, and that stems out into everything in life. So if you can really become mindful about how you consume one thing, it will eventually bleed into an awareness of how you consume all things. Honestly, my pathway into this probably began when I became vegetarian when I was in high school. And we just go about life. We are bombarded with advertising and products and so many things. And we don't really stop to think about the why, why, why am I using suave shampoo or why am I eating this thing? Or, uh, there's just not a lot of slowing down enough to look at what's involved in our life. And so becoming vegetarian really was my segue into eating healthy and mindfully and becoming enlightened to, ah, the things that I put in my body have an effect on my mood, have an effect on my skin, have an effect on my sleep, and set me off on a, a journey of, of living, you know, the most balanced and well life that I can. Now, I'm in no way perfect at all. I'm still a ding dong every once in a while, probably every day, eating things I shouldn't, doing things I shouldn't, but it's the awareness, it's the understanding of even if I make this choice to put this thing in my body, I'm still making that conscious decision. And that's really what I want people to uh, to learn or to experience when it comes to cannabis is even if you're smoking willy-nilly every morning, you're waking and baking, just have that moment to pause and and embrace the awareness of this is my choice. This is how I'm choosing to interact with this plant, with this substance. And maybe that will help to guide our experiences in a more positive way. And uh, yeah, you know, I really, I really believe in cannabis as a medicine um, beyond helping potentially heal cancer cells beyond helping people who are experiencing nausea or menstrual cramps or beyond all of these literal things. I believe that cannabis can really be a gateway to understanding ourselves and becoming more in harmony with the, the lifestyle that we have. And so, uh, yeah, I, I now have a really beautiful practice where I, I don't know about you guys, 
But sometimes when I consume cannabis, I get paranoid or I, I can have adverse reactions to this plant, even as a daily consumer. And what really, really helps me is to know about the products that I'm buying, making sure that I'm supporting brands that make me feel good and do good by the planet. I'm using as much organic material as possible and I'm communicating with the plant. I'm setting an intention with this plant. Like I am not bringing you into my body to deplete me. I'm bringing, I'm inviting you into my body to help build me up, to help make me healthy, to help support me and enhance my present state. So that is, uh, I really believe that cannabis is a tool to do this and I want to help shed light on that and, and bring other people into that fold. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I, I even think that you, when you look back at prohibition, e even more so than fearing uh, any sort of cannabis industry, I think they feared uh, cannabis's ability to make people question mm -hmm. uh, things around them. You know, should I go to war? Should I uh, consume this product because it's being you know, pushed on me really hard by advertising. And all of that is a threat to authority. And I think psychedelics as well play a role in that. And, and so these plant medicines um, have so much to teach us, uh, but we, we have to allow them in into us. And then you start wondering about things like waste and packaging and, mm. uh, you know, chemicals and the difference between you know, a plant that you consume and maybe a plant that's an ornamental and what you're feeding these plants. And so that leads us into, uh, you've, you've also been doing some cultivation of your own. Um, admittedly, you said, uh, sort of, you know, on, only recently, uh, and, and, and not on an expert type level, but can you talk a little bit about, uh, your experiences with, uh, home grow? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I started growing, I've had two rounds of growing cannabis and I'm a huge advocate for growing your own and I would be growing my own right now if it weren't for a couple of things that I'll get to. But my first roundabout, I think I grew like three plants in my backyard in, in the Hollywood area and yielded a huge bounty. It was my, my first time and, uh, yeah, it was it was a magical experience because like so many things that we consume, we don't even know like what the plant looks like. Like I know so many people that like vape tobacco right now or um or or smoke cigarettes or whatever. I don't even really know what the tobacco plant looks like, right? Like we eat pineapple. Do you know how pineapple grows? It is fucking mind-blowing and so that's really what growing weed was for me I was like I'm sorry what like this these are the millions of stages that this thing goes through and uh the splitting of leaves and learning the genders and the different bugs that were attracted to the plant it was a very full and enlightening experience and so my first time growing grand old time, everything went wavy gravy. I would say the hardest part of the process for me was actually when I harvested the plant, when I had to find space in my house to hang and dry my plants and just let it stink up the whole thing. I did it in my closet. I think like everything I wore for months just reeked of weed. 
Not that that was anything new. (laughs) My second time growing, this is actually hysterical. I was growing six plants in my backyard here now in Mid-City, growing six plants of my own. And then I had a friend who was moving away and she had gotten her plants to the teen stage and didn't want to just totally throw them in the garbage. So she gave me her plants when she moved away. So I had nine plants in my backyard. My whole backyard was occupied. They grew like three, four feet. It was It was absolutely insane. I couldn't really use my backyard for anything but the growing process. But it came with so many hiccups and hurdles that since then, it's kind of discouraged me from growing, at least in my space where I am right now. And this is all outdoor, so I haven't tried growing indoor. But I live in a bit of a precarious part of Los Angeles. There's a lot of auto body shops by me. And I happen to live in an alley. So on the other side of my wall is uh, like a driveway or like a a road, a back alley, and then an auto body shop. And so every once in a while, my plants would get covered in dust, like in soot. And then that turned into powdery mildew. If anyone listening knows, it's actually a very common thing that can happen to plants. But, you know, there's mildew and bacteria in the air everywhere. And I guess where I live just happens to have a lot of of mildew in this space. So sadly, all nine of my plants were infected with the mildew and I would spend meticulously, I would wipe off every single leaf on all nine plants that are each three to four feet tall, trying to get the mildew off, trying to save these babies. And it was in the end, you know, we harvested all of the plants that we could. We got rid of a lot because if you smoke mildew, it's obviously not a great thing for you. So it was a lot of hard work that we had to put to rest. But um, there is nothing like the experience of smoking your own weed. There's nothing like it. And obviously, I'm a woo-woo chick. So I'm like, I'm singing to my plants and I'm playing them sound frequencies and I'm bringing out my bowls every once in a while. (laughs) I'm infusing them with mantras like, okay, I'm going to smoke in this positive energy at the end of it all. Actually, I was just going to smoke in like cancerous mildew, but the effort and the intention was there. And I would love to grow indoors at some point in my life. Um, It's just like it is a lot of effort. So that whole experience makes me bow down to the growers of the world. How much knowledge, how much intuition and communication with these plants really goes into the process to give us like our beautifully packaged pre-rolls. Like a lot of things, right? Like all of the produce that we have and our bread and our peanut butter, there are so many people, there are so many experts that are dedicating themselves to our, you know, eventual fulfillment. Uh, And so I really, I I bow down, I do. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No, that's interesting and uh, a little bit heartbreaking to hear <laughs> hear about I know. The, the, the powdery mildew. I know. Um, but it there is no feeling like uh, like you know c- uh, growing your own and then consuming something that you created yourself and and all of that. Uh, um, but can you tell me a little bit about the uh, the Budding Mind podcast that you have? Um, that's a part of the uh, the Budding Mind brand as well, right? Yes, I was hoping we could get back to it. So. You know, something that I didn't mention earlier was Buddy Mind was also born out of beyond the wellness component. 
Look at me, Danny. I'm a femme young woman and a lot of the culture that I have seen in the past, not so much anymore, but when I was really, you know, embodying the stoner archetype, very masculine oriented cannabis culture. I am all about the softer side of weed and the Budding Mind platform and the Budding Mind podcast is really my expression and devotion to this softer side. And uh, the podcast actually expands well beyond cannabis though, which is a very exciting thing. It's all about plant medicines. We talk to shamans and scientists and everyone in between, mediums and psychics and intuitives. Uh, it's pretty much anything that fits into the new age category at Barnes and Noble is my safe space. <laughs> and, uh, one of my most recent guests, I have a podcast coming out very soon, was with Mark Ireland. And Mark Ireland, this is fascinating. He is not a psychic. He is the son of a renowned psychic from the Edgar Cayce era. And he actually published his first book by way of his father. His father was a psychic and a medium. He then passed away. Mark had a message from a medium after his father had passed saying, hey, you really need to go in your attic. There's a manuscript that your dad never published and he wants you to publish it now. And so 30 years after his dad passes away, however long, he goes to the attic, he finds the book, he puts it out into the world. So Mark, we love Mark. We love having Mark on our podcast. We love having all kinds of weird, goofy people on our podcast. And one thing that I ask everyone that I would love to ask you on the Budding Mind podcast, my greatest, my greatest intention is that everyone learns something from the podcast and that there's concrete takeaways. And one thing I want to know is, is there a book? a movie, a quote, an experience, a psychedelic that has opened or changed your mind in your time here on this beautiful planet? Wow, that's a really good question. <laughs> there, There's a lot of those things uh, in my life, but uh, a couple of books did really change my life. I think Jack Harris' book, uh, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, uh, as far as understanding the benefits of cannabis and hemp, and then uh, a book called... Uh, Shattered Lives, which was by Mickey Norris and Chris Conrad. I was uh, really just a grower, kind of profit, profiting off of cannabis uh, and and smoking and using it, but not really understanding the therapeutic benefits and, and the uh, medicinal aspect or, or even the social justice or uh, prisoner thing. And those two books combined kind of really changed my, my life and took me from the underground to being an activist and... and uh, and working for the for the plant and and as you like an advocate for this healing flower uh and trying to be a, an ambassador for the plant uh because i really truly believe it's it's, it's a healing flower and uh and i notice when i'm checking out uh, uh budding mind that that's the same spirit behind uh everything that you've done yeah so i uh how can people find out more about you and uh budding mind uh, the the podcast, the brand, the the blog, all of the stuff that goes on. Beautiful. Well, thank you for the share in the books. I'm going to add those to my shelf ASAP. And if you guys want to have a listen to the podcast yourself, you want to hear more of those questions answered, you can find me on iTunes and Spotify. It's called Budding Mind. And you can also find me on Instagram at 
budding mind and at Brooke Stellar. And I mainly exist on the World Wide Web. So those are your best bets. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being on the show and uh, check out uh, Budding Minds, you guys, and uh, Brooke's podcast as well. And we will be back after these messages with more of Grow Bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at Sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. Hey, all right, welcome back. And we are now in the cultivation segment of the show, uh, talking about growing. So how are you feeling, Mike? I'm good. Yeah, that was a really cool interview. It was awesome to have a, have Brooke on and learn a little bit more about her. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I want to get into the cultivation segment. And the topic that I have for this week is uh, 10 tips for growing autoflowering plants. Uh, cannabis plants, pot plants, weed plants, uh, any plants that are autoflowering, even if they're hemp plants, which I guess there is now at, uh, certainly, of course, as well, ruderalis. So um, these are some tips for autoflowering plants. First, we should talk about autoflowers in general. Uh, a lot of people sort of look down on autoflowering plants um, because of potency levels and, and, you know, over... In the past, that has been the case for sure, but I think that uh, they've come a long way and the breeders have done a pretty good job of infusing autos with, uh, with potency. And also, you know, I mean, for me personally, uh, you know, I would grow autos and make hash out of them personally because they grow so quick uh, and, you know, you're certainly going to get a potent hash. So even if you're worried about the potency level of the flower, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about the potency of the hash. Uh, the terpene preservation and everything is there. Uh, the other thing is that autos, you can grow twice outdoors in the summer and in the fall. Uh, and th that, those summertime autos are going to have a different terp profile because they're getting a different type of sun. They're getting full summertime sun, uh, which is quite different from, uh, you know, September, fall kind of reddish sun. Um, which is coming in at more of an angle, going through more of the atmosphere and such. So you're actually going to get stronger sunshine on your plants when they're you know flowering in June and July. Uh, and that's interesting as well. So for me, autos, the secret of autos is make hash out of them. Uh, but you know they're great for smoking as well. so let's let's not get too crazy about this. Um, autos are great and there's certainly benefits. Uh, to the quickness with which they grow and the fact that you don't have to change the light cycle at all. Um, so here's the 10 tips, and I got to give credit 
uh, where credit's due. This is based on an article uh, by our friend Guillaume Greenfizz, uh, who uh, is over in Europe, where they really grow a lot of autos. And again, I think they make a lot of hash out of these autos as well. Um, they like to smoke milder cannabis in many ways. They mix with tobacco and they smoke all day. And they wonder, we're, they th look at us like we're crazy when we smoke pure joints uh, of, you know, 30% THC. But, uh, you know, there's a place for everything. But if you're going to choose to grow autos, here are 10 tips, uh, like I said, courtesy of Guillaume Greenfizz, but I'm going to put my twist on these as well. All right, so starting with tip number one, which is to plant within the correct time window. So, you know, we're all mostly in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, although there's people who listen to the show everywhere. So I guess just flip it over for whenever your summer solstice arrives. But ours in the Northern Hemisphere arrives around the 21st of June. Uh, that's when you get the most sunshine. So you know, 16 hours, in some places up to 22 hours of light per day. Uh, and that's the point of when you have the most sun and, and a, a bit the better angle, a vertical uh, angle of the sun for full plant exposure. Uh, so you want to plant, obviously, after frost. Uh, I would say, depending on where you are, I mean, I'm, we're, I'm in the Northeast, we want to wait until uh, temperatures are over 54 degrees or so. I think if you go below that, if you go into the 40s, you're going to get uh, some stretching and stunted development. And I think you really want to wait until about, uh, you know, until the temperature does not go below 54 uh, to do the planting. The earth is warmed up. So if you're growing outside, it's fine. Uh, but even indoors, you certainly don't want to do that uh, in the cold, in the freezing cold. Uh, so I would say for where I am, you know, May is good uh, for planting. Uh, you can even get away with April, uh, towards the end of April. And you can even plant these in June if you'd like. I mean, that's certainly going to be warmer. Uh, and you're going to get plants that are nice and strong. Uh, tip number two is going to be uh, make sure you give these plants a healthy start. So uh, whatever your seed storage practices are, um, keep those seeds in, in your fridge. You want them around 41 to 46 degrees uh, with very low humidity. Uh, so if they are in the fridge, keep an eye on that. If not, a cool, dark place is fine. Um, and then as far as germination goes, just take good care in germination. Um, put together a nice, uh, good, light and airy mix uh, so that the roots can get going early on because uh, you don't have such a long window of plant growth with autos and you want them to get a nice good start, get a nice good root system going um, early because you don't have much time. Um, and we'll get into uh, where what to plant them in as well. Um, tip number three, provide your plants with proper environmental conditions. So early on, uh, nice high humidity level, 70 to 80% or so when it's a seedling. And then, you know, dial that down into the um, 50s to 50 to 60 or so uh, for the vegetative stage if you can. I mean, obviously outdoor plants are going to be different, but if there's any way you can cover them up uh, with the greenhouse material uh, when they're young, you can use you know three liter bottles, two liter bottles, uh, and as they get bigger, uh, that's a great way to increase the amount of humidity if you have a dome over the plant um, or a clear plastic bottle. Um, but that's only going to work for the first few weeks. Um, so if you're going to be growing them outdoors, a greenhouse is not a bad idea. Um, or you can always just, you know, make sure to mist them 
pretty fre frequently during that time to make sure the humidity is there. Um, it's just important not to have it be too dry. Uh, for, no, tip number four, uh, use the best growing medium possible. Uh, nice, light, airy mix uh, is what I prefer. Um, there's lots of different ways to accomplish this. If you're going to get Pro Mix or Fox Farm or Sunshine Mix, you're probably going to want to uh, blend in some of your own perlite uh, just to lighten it up a bit. Uh, any kind of plant foods you want to add, you can add. My favorite lately is a brand called Bio365. They're not a sponsor or an advertiser or anything. I just tested out uh, some of their soil, and it's just phenomenal. Uh, it's really nice and uh, very light and airy. Uh, so there's good wet-dry cycle there, uh, which is important for step number five. Uh, so that company was Bio365 uh, for the soil. Uh, step number five is don't overwater. Uh, again, this is this pertains to regular plants, but uh, even more so uh, to autos because they have such a short life cycle. You really don't want to have those roots be suffocated in any way, uh, and you don't want an anaerobic uh, environment for those roots. You want to make sure oxygen is getting to them uh, along with the water. So uh, a nice wet dry cycle is good. Um, if they're in pots just learn to be able to lift the pot and know when the plant needs, uh, when it's really light and needs water. Uh, but if it's nice and heavy, uh, just let it be. Um, tip number six is feed your plants lightly. Uh, autos are uh, finicky and notoriously light feeders. So you really want to just, if you feed them at all, really, I mean, if you're in a living soil outdoors, you might not have to add any kind of nutrients uh, and if, even if you're indoors, I would start with a quarter to half strength of any kind of bottled newts, uh, if that's what you're using. Um, again, a well aerated or, uh, living organic medium, uh, isn't really going to need much feeding at all. Uh, but if you do, are going to feed your plants, just make sure to feed them very lightly. And this is where compost, uh, oxygenated compost tea works really well. Uh, and you just oxygenate it for 24 hours. Uh, and we've talked about that in the past, but that's a great mild nutrient for all plants and especially autos. Um, tip number seven is uh, pinch and prune early, if at all. And when I say early, I mean in like the first, like, uh, you know, after the plant, after the seedling has two or three sets of leaves. Uh, from that point, maybe one or two weeks is all you've really got. Uh, I don't really like to pinch and prune with autos i think maybe if you do it once uh just to bush it up a little bit that's fine uh but you want to do it pretty early if at all so uh, be very careful about pinching and pruning uh and training i mean autos just don't have the life cycle for that um number eight the tip is to harvest sequentially over time um that means you can harvest the main uh top colas and leave the plants for you know six or so days and harvest uh, those lower branches after a week or so, and uh, you'll you'll end up with uh, better quality overall and stronger effect from those lowers uh, than you would if you just harvested all at once. Uh, tip number nine is grow organic. Uh, you really don't want to have a toxic soil or over fertilize uh, your autos. Uh, no burnt leaf tips, none of that. Uh, as I mentioned, they're light feeders, so organic's the way to go. And then number 10, uh, the final tip is to prepare your next grow. So if you want to harvest twice uh, with autos, you may want to start your sec second batch of seeds uh, 20 to 30 days before 
uh, you harvest your first batch. Um, and that way, uh, the seedlings you sprouted in midway will ripen before the end of summer, uh, between the end of August and the first week of September. Uh, and that way, uh, you can really uh, get all that full sun for your autos twice. Um, and with a greenhouse, you can actually attempt to do a third grow uh, in northern latitudes. So um, that's really the tips, t- top 10 tips for, uh, for growing autos. All right. So thank you for the grow tip. Very good stuff on autos. And uh, now it is time, as our listeners know, to take some questions here on the show. And uh, if you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. You could email us, and that is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you think? Should we hop right in? Let's do it. All right, great. Let's start it off with Colin, and he's in Chicago. He writes, Hey, friends. Uh, Thanks for keeping me learning and inspired to grow my own. I've now harvested two successful crops. I grew a really lovely SFVOG in my little tent and in my apartment, and that is uh, still tasting great a year after harvest, as well as some OG Kush from Humboldt Seed Co., and that was in my backyard this last summer. So, I have a question for you. I recently saw some growers talking about washing cannabis. The method I saw used three rinses, first with baking soda, then a mixture of peroxide and lemon juice, finally a clear water rinse. Is this something that you have heard of, and do you agree with the practice? So what do you say, Dan? Uh, It is something that I've heard of, but no, I do not agree with the practice. So uh, yeah, I'm not a a fan of of washing cannabis. I don't really see the need for it. Um, don't quite understand what that's all about. I think, um, you know, the only time I would really want to mess with anything like baking soda or lemon juice, uh, with cannabis would be, uh, in a pH type situation or, uh, powdery mildew kind of thing, uh, as a last resort of some kind. I, I don't believe in washing cannabis, so I've heard of it and I can't really wrap my mind too much around it, but I would not recommend it. Okay. Well, there you go, Colin. Uh, No washing. Let's uh, go to James, and he writes, uh, Hey, Danny and Mike, when you're doing gorilla growing, how do you keep deer and other wildlife from eating your plants? I've used cayenne pepper before, but I wasn't sure what else works. Uh, What would you say to James? Yes, um, that's that's very important. Uh, Deer... uh, will eat your plants, particularly when the plants are young, during the vegging stage, and when they're like young shoots uh they don't really so much love them after uh once they start flowering and stuff but uh as far as keeping deer away from your plants uh there's different types of repellents you can use uh some people will hang up bars of soap uh in the trees around their plants uh some deer just don't care you know they're more used to people uh and they're not so afraid of those type of smells like the cayenne pepper uh and in that case there's things like panther piss (laughs) and uh things like that that will scare the deer off make them think that there's predators around and it doesn't hurt i don't you know i don't would never say to pee on your plants uh but it certainly wouldn't hurt to pee in the vicinity of your plants uh you know at least uh 10 10 12 feet away from your your gorilla grow uh and just to establish you know that there's humans around and there's a presence of people um i've never heard of the cayenne pepper thing but that's interesting uh, there's stuff you can buy, uh, different types of deer repellents, but my experience with those is, uh, the skittish, you know, deer might be repelled, but, but the wise deer, 
uh, is just going to come and eat if they're hungry. And the other thing is, um, if there's plenty of other food for the deer to eat, uh, they're, they're less likely to come after your cannabis. But if you have a situation where there's a drought and it's really dry and a lot of plants are dead and you've got these bright green cannabis plants growing, uh, they're more enticing in that situation, uh, as well. So, uh, one thing I, I would always do in, in the spot that I had back in the day, uh, is try to grow near a lot of thorns and try to kind of grow in the middle of a, a bunch of thorns, kind of a pain in the ass to get through them, um, initially, but once you do and, and find that area in the center, typically there's not a lot of trees, uh, to block the sunshine around there. And, uh, the thorns are a natural barrier to protect the plants, uh, from deer because they're not trying to mess around too much with, uh, sharp thorns. So if you're lucky enough to have that type of situation, uh, it's one other way to keep them away. And there's different smelling things and different kind of things you put on the grass, uh, to keep them away. But, uh, ideally you just got to get through that vegging stage. And once you're through that, uh, you should be fine. All right. Very good. Uh, thank you, James. Hope that helps. Let's go to Stan from Virginia, and he writes, uh, A thing I just said to my wife. Man, I wish I could just call Danny Danko. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, sort of like doing that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, Stan writes, uh, Anywho, I love you guys and everything you do. I'm finishing the, my second legal grow in Virginia, and your guidance has been invaluable. Thank you. I have a trichome question. I've long suspected that I pulled my first harvest too early, but I did it when the trichomes were almost 30% amber. I noticed a few days ago that with this harvest I'm working on, the trichomes on the sugar leaves are already 30% amber, but the trichomes on the flowers themselves are not. Now, there's a noticeable amber on the sugar leaves, but the flower trichomes are not even 100% cloudy yet. Do trichomes mature differently on different parts of the plant? And should we be focusing on the trichome development on only the flower material or the sugar leaves as well? So what would you say to Stan? Uh, first, yes, trichomes do develop uh, in different stages on different parts of the plant. Uh, but I would judge based on the trichomes on the actual flower and not the sugar leaves. Um, although they shouldn't be that different. I shouldn't, you know, if the, if you're looking at the sugar leaves around a bud and then you're looking at that same bud, um, it would seem strange that there would be 30% amber on the sugar leaves and, and, and not even cloudy yet, uh, on the flower. Um, and that would lead me to believe that maybe you're misjudging the amber in some way, uh, it could be dust or, or something about, um, I don't know, maybe the way that the leaves were touched by, by your thumbs or something. Um, but it, you really got to get in there with a loop or a magnifying glass. So if you're just doing this with the naked eye, um, you're probably not going to get a full picture of what's going on. Um, so make sure you're using magnifying. Uh, and when in doubt, uh, I would go with the, uh, uh, judging the trichomes by the tri the glands that are on the flower rather than the ones that are on the sugar leaves or, or stem or fan leaves. And congratulations for uh, legalization in Virginia and being able to grow legally. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. Definitely. All right. Um, looks like we have time for just one more here. So let's go to D-Man. And he writes, uh, hey, dudes, 
I would like your thoughts on a few ideas. All my plantings are outdoors. I plant my autos the 1st of March and I harvest the 1st of May. I use three garden carts to move them around to maximize the sun and put them in my hoop house at night to keep the moths from laying their eggs. I don't supplement them with additional lighting, and they receive about 12 hours a day. Uh, since they get solid sunlight 12 hours a day, will the levels of THC and terpenes be at a lower percentage? I live in Cali, and I do plant early because of moderate temps, no smoke, and clean air. Uh, I do another grow with autos starting May 1st and harvest the 1st of July, then plant all my regular varietals the 1st of July. I use my cart program as well with these, and I've had much luck. So what would you say to D-Man? Yeah, I would say if you can get them, your autos more sun than 12 hours a day, you'll certainly uh, get a bigger yield. Um, I can't say so much as far as the level of THC and terpenes. I think you're still going to get a good amount of uh, cannabinoid production at 12 hours a day. Uh, but if you can supplement, you know, give them another six or so to 18, even just a couple of extra hours uh, under HIDs or even LEDs or fluorescence uh, would certainly benefit them. Uh, but again, it, since you're doing regular varietals, uh, those are great to get 12 hours a day for flowering. Uh, but autos can take 18 hours a day and still produce flowers, and you'll certainly get a bigger yield if you give them the 18 than if you stick to 12. Uh, but 12 is enough, and, and will certainly uh, result in a decent harvest. Uh, if you can b boost it up, that would be great. I think if you can set up that hoop house that you're using at night uh, to keep the moths from laying eggs, if there's a way to just supplement light inside that hoop house, uh, you, you'd certainly benefit from it. But, uh, you know, you can still... Keep them at 12 and, and, and harvest great bud. All right. Thank you, D-Man. And uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Uh, if you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. You could email us. It is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, we're going to take another question over on Patreon, and that's going to be about root-bound plants. So if you're interested in that, Join us over on patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, what do you say we take a short little break, come back, and wrap this one up? Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. -E -E uh, DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. It's time to wrap up the show. Uh, just want to say thank you to uh, our sponsors, Rocket Seeds, Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. Uh, thank you to Brooke Bergstaller and Budding Mind. Um, 
Thank you to Guillaume for the, uh, the auto-flowering tips uh, that I did in the cultivation segment. Um, thanks to Vapor.com. You can use the, the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20 for 20% off of everything that they have site-wide. Uh, I don't think people quite understand, but if you're buying a, a volcano, if you're getting, uh, in my you know, opinion, the Puffco Peak Pro uh, is an amazing machine, you can get 20% off on that uh, with this code, GROWBUDYOURSELF20. Uh, at vapor.com. So check them out uh, for your rolling paper needs, accessories, glass, everything. Uh, it's a great company. And uh, I don't know any other 20% off code that they've put out. So um, hopefully you can save some money and get some stuff that you want from them. Uh, but thank you to you guys for listening, the Patreon supporters for sure. Please join up there uh, if you can, even at the $4.20 level. Uh, you get a bunch of free stuff and you get to be part of the community and get some uh, exclusive content as well. That's patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, thanks to the YouTube subscribers and uh, everyone that just supports the show and, and spreads the word. Uh, it's really just like great genetics. You got to share it and uh, put it out there in the world and uh, it improves everything, the quality for everybody. Uh, and we can all smoke good and uh, really just enjoy the time that we spend with family and friends and that's what it's all about so i hope you guys enjoyed the show episode 90 is in the books 